0: This is the Life Truth Network.
1: Quest for Truth, Episode 438.
2: Quest for Truth, presented by Protectorate Productions and HPN, Helpsley Podcast Network now located at life-truth.com and now here are your hosts with voices that will make you want to sterilize your earbuds keith helsley and nathan caldwell they sound like they know what they're talking about
3: hey everybody that is cor- <laughs>
2: correct um
3: this is your host keith and um Joined with me soon will be our co-host Nathan Caldwell, uh, and we will be resuming a theme. We didn't really plan it, it's just kind of a deep topic, so we're just going to run with it, and that would be on the matter of spiritual warfare. and Today, specifically, uh, would be what uh, the occult looks like, what the Bible says about that And, uh, of course, uh, practicing false religions and what you should do instead of that. Uh, Well, uh, let me don't add too much uh, extra. Uh, We will interrupt our ongoing theme next week. We will return to our monthly uh, Truth Exposed. So stay tuned for that because we start a new chapter and it will be an interesting one. Uh, So let's continue on here. Uh, onto the podcast, and so we'll get right to it. So uh, we will do that. But I do want to mention uh, that we are part of the Christian Podcast com, and you'll hear some voices there. It's not a lot like uh, these coming up here in a moment.
1: Welcome back to The Christian Rebel, and I am your host, Brett Collier. On the Christian Rebel Podcast, we follow the teachings that is found in Romans 12.2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. By not conforming to this world, we essentially are rebelling against the world and conforming with Christ. Be a rebel and follow Jesus. If this podcast has helped you, please subscribe and share with everyone you know. If you would like to support this ministry, please visit www.christianrebelpodcast.com and click on the Donate button. And if you are a Christian business owner and you would like to sponsor us, just click on the Contact button and send us a message for details. Again, thank you for listening, and until next time, keep the faith.
0: How is your flame of truth, Christian? Is it burning bright? Hi, I'm Rebecca Berschwinger,
2: creator and host of One Little Candle, a weekly podcast dedicated to encouraging, empowering, and equipping believers to be the light that God has called us to be, so that we may pass down undefiled the truth of God's infallible
0: word to the next generation. So join me and light your own little corner of the world. You can listen to One Little Candle on all major podcast platforms or
2: at christianpodcastcommunity.org. Welcome to the Truth Be Known Podcast, bringing you the objective truth boldly, candidly, and without apology. Welcome to this week's episode.
1: Welcome back to another episode of the Truth Be Known Podcast. I'm Nathaniel Jolly. And I'm Eki Tepsipornchai.
2: And a Christian, you know, Christians above all, be faithful leave the results to God, and trust in the hope we have in Christ. Until next time, let the
1: truth be known. main
3: topic. Oh, real quick, let me say this. This is going to be a passage from Leviticus 19, verses 28 through 31. And now here we have our co-host, Anthony Caldwell. to take it away and tell us what he has to say about the topic.
0: Okay, Leviticus 19, start with verse 26. You shall not eat anything with the blood, neither shall you use enchantment, nor observe times. You shall not round the corners of your heads, neither shalt thou mar the corners of thy beard. You shall not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead, nor print any marks upon you. I am the Lord. Do not prostitute thy daughter to cause her to be a whore lest the land fall to whoredom and the land become full of wickedness. Ye shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. Regard not them that have familiar spirits, neither seek after wizards to be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. Now, I'm not an expert in this passage, but there are some things that I can see. <clears throat> when we talk about some, don't eat anything with the blood, most likely that... Could have been some kind of a a pagan observation uh don't use enchantment you don't you know don't mess with this magic, don't mess with magic uh, I've always thought that one of the things wrong with magic and and by 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 any stretch I'm not saying this is the only thing, just one of them. <laughs> <clears throat> is that when somebody seeks a magical answer versus a a godly answer or an answer from God you're 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 kind of basically saying that I will solve my own problem versus I will rely on God now I'm not saying we don't have responsibilities but what I'm saying is somebody who seeks magic is seeking another power other than God to solve their problem, and this is an issue. This is a problem.
3: All right. Um, thanks for reading that whole passage here, Nathan Caldwell. Um, let me, I'm, I'm going to be reading here from the New American Standard Bible, um, but I want to talk real quickly, uh, Leviticus 19.26, You shall not eat anything with the blood, nor practice divination or soothsaying. Uh, drinking blood was a common prohibition throughout the Old Testament and that would kind of imply that it had uh, ties to idolatry. Uh, One thing that comes to mind, and you put all that really well there, Nathan, um, that uh, when it comes to blood, it seems that I don't have the scripture handy, that God referred to blood as the life. Of you know the creature, uh, the, the life blood is often how it's referred to, and you know as Christians we know you know the blood of Christ uh, represents his life, and that life pays for the sins of all humanity for eternity for all times, once for all, and so the life and the blood was an important thing, and t- for someone to drink that you're kind of rebelling and with a statement of saying, ah, I'm control, I'm in control of this life, and it's mine. I'm drinking that life. Um, when it goes, there, it mentions divinations, enchantments, it mentions soothsaying or times. And these words, uh, you know, divining or enchantments, they're interpreted in different ways throughout the Bible. They're often kind of interchangeable. They're synonyms from one another. Um, the uh, the point here is to remain pure uh, so that the Holy Spirit might reside. There's a note I read, I think it was from the Expositor's Bible Dictionary, talking about in Old Testament times the Holy Spirit could not and would not dwell among the, the nation of Israel unless they followed the law, unless they obeyed God. And to obey others, that meant they weren't doing the right thing and the Holy Spirit would not abide with that. Uh, even now as Christians, uh, we uh, have the Holy Spirit and we ought to respect that, appreciate that, and understand that we only have the Holy Spirit because Christ died for us and we ought to be different than uh, the pagan culture around us. Um, I do have uh, a link here I think it's from theauthority.com. It's an art, there's an article, very lengthy. so I'm not gonna read all of it, about divination and sooth, sooth thing. <laughs> Get the word out. Um, essentially, what this article talks about is uh, divination is when people try to uh, call on uh, the supernatural supernatural powers uh, to uh, tell things about people or events. whereas as Sooth saying, specifically, you're trying to predict the future. Divination relies heavily on uh, objects, like a crystal ball or uh, a talisman of some sort, uh, you know, a, a golden cup or something. Uh, it might rely on religious ceremony, like reading tea leaves or animal entrails or uh, those kind of things. You're divining something, a talisman card or tarot cards, those kind of things. You're using a, a tangible item to tell something about this you know, strange person you just met or you know, maybe predict. Now, soothsaying is maybe what we might or think of as, as a prophet. They don't have to rely necessarily on the talisman. They just, on their own, they channel a the spirit or something. I don't know what they do. And on their own, they'll prophesy and foretell the future. Soothsayer means truth. It's old English for uh, truthsayer or someone who sees in the future. Uh, but those uh, um, activities go hand in hand and we are not supposed to do it. Why? Because why do we need to call on little gods and we have you know, God, capital G, <laughs> uh, to do this? We just need to be called uh, to do things differently uh, than what the other pagan people are. And one point to note uh, <clears throat> is that we we often refer to the the pagan culture? There wasn't really the pagan culture and then, or even now. Uh, pagan culture is fragmented. Every tribe, every every country, every tribe, every uh, fragmented uh, element had their own uh, pagan system. A lot of it overlapped. Some of it didn't. Um, Oh, I thought I interrupted you. You thought you had more to say there about uh, um, suicide and stuff. So let me let you do that real quick. Nor observed
0: times in verse twenty six. Let's see if I can find something in the Logos Passage Guide here. There was apparently. An idolatrous ritual that uh, people would pour out blood and eat part of the flesh um, where the blood was poured out so that uh, maybe um, this is just some kind of a a closeness to the deity uh, in question. I'm getting that information from... um, Commentary critical and explanatory on the whole Bible. Um, so it was definitely a pagan practice, and that's why, you know, you don't don't deal with this pagan stuff. Um, observing times. What is observing times? I'm going back to the same. So observing the times had to do with looking at uh, the clouds for fortune-telling. Uh, go figure. But um, but I want to tell you something again. Even if, and I'm not listen. I, I think there is some supernatural power out there that God allows the devil to have, and 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 pass through a cult. But even if it was not, even if whatever they're doing is not truly powerful. They are still attempting to do this major sin. They are still practicing in pagan. They're still practicing in idolatry. I mean, you know, the heart of the situation is bad enough, but they are already sinning in the practice of idolatry, which is like a breaking of the first of the Ten Commandments. So it's not something that you want to deal with Uh, the haircut in verse 27 had uh had to do with an idolatrous um reference uh some kind of uh, uh idolatrous significance that was learned in Egypt uh, so it's like almost doubly bad you would think in that situation um flesh cutting uh marks on you um Again, going to commentary, critical, and explanatory on the whole Bible. Uh, the common heathen practice, the cutting, um, and considered a commentary, critical, and explanatory on the whole Bible says, considered a, a mark of respect for the dead, as well as a sort of a a sort of propitiatory offering to the deities who presided over death and the grave so again this is something that was that was gotten out of egypt um and kind of made a comeback at least at, at, at this time
3: all right verse 27 um It says, you shall not round off the side growth of your head, nor harm the edges of your beard. Now, to me, this has always been kind of an odd thing. What's the deal with why having a round head is bad? And let me just say that um, there is a prohibition on shaving on the Torah. It's just called the Torah.com. There's an article there. Again, it's very lengthy. But there's a quote that says, according to Maimonides, the rule forbidding shaving of the beard and side locks is one of the rules designed to distinguish the ancient Israelites from their pagan neighbors. Since the idolatrous priests did their hair in this manner, they were warned to not wear their hair in this, in this style. So essentially, it's a it's more of a semantic thing. Don't give the same physical appearance as those who are not godly out there pagans if for example if pagans all of a sudden decide to wear uh, a, a pointy cap with uh, <laughs> the stars and moons and comments on it then as Christians we should avoid that if a pagan decides to wear you know a, a wizard's robe and carry a wand then we we shouldn't even present that, even as a fashion statement or a point of style, another interesting thing from the same article is it mentioned with the rounding of the head and the shaving of the sides of the face. Is the, and the Jews, of course, uh, believe that hey, God put the hair there, leave the hair alone, let it grow. Now, you can trim it and you can groom it, but don't you're not supposed to take your razor to it and, and shave it off. Another point in the same vein is God put hair on a man, on his face and not a woman. Uh, the beard is a sign of masculinity where women don't have a beard. So it's a sign of femininity to be absent the beard and masculine to have it. So what you're, this also goes hand in hand with the law in the Old Testament about a man should not dress like a woman and a woman should not dress like a man. And so think about that. Uh, This is saying that a man shouldn't try to shave his face like a woman, to look like a woman. Uh, So I wonder if there's some prohibition there with being cross-dressing there, drag queens. Now, of course, it just meant the side of the head. It didn't necessarily mean mustache or beard on your chin. Uh, but here's nothing too, is it was a common practice then, I guess even now, you know, you're in, you're in grief, you're in mourning, so you grab your hair, you pull it out, uh, you rip your clothes, you throw a, a, a dirt on you and wear a sackcloth. Well, it, it, that would be acceptable in the Jewish culture is if you're in mourning, to you know, grab the sides of your beard and pluck it out and tear at it because you're in mourning. Uh, but it wasn't the norm. Once your grief was past, once your hair grew back out, then that was going to be it. And people would understand that's all about mourning. And I I think the prohibition here also then might be that uh, again, like drinking. Well, I have I have control over this. And I'm going to drink the life of this. Hannibal or whatever. you are saying, I'm in control of my grief, and if I want to be uh, mourning, uh, I can extend that if I keep my beard shaved off the side of my face. Uh, that that could be a thing. That's more speculation on my part than anything. Uh, there's also, if you if you get really deep into this, hair means a lot in a lot of pagan and wicca rituals. Uh it, it what i've read about it has more to do with with the woman's hair and the long hair and stuff like that not so much really about this uh, other than they even back then they felt that the hair had something to do with representing life and uh, by shaving it or cutting off the sides that you're taking some kind of control over that but uh, but, but honestly uh, as we find out here, as a continue verse twenty-eight, you shall not make any cuts in your body uh, for the dead or make tattoo marks. I am the Lord. Uh, there wasn't really a, a moral problem with cutting your hair uh, and grooming it and trimming it. There wasn't really a moral problem with being cut or tattooed. I think uh, other places tattooing was done to slaves, so. Uh, and this culture, that being a tattooed would be you know, kind of e- equate to enslaving yourself to whoever or whatever you, <laughs> your tattoo represented. I don't know. Um, but cutting um, tattooing and hairstyles, they weren't really immoral, but there's a key phrase here for the dead. And there w- were, and there are are even today occult rituals uh, Wic- Wicca rituals, uh, other like uh, voodoo rituals that have to do with the hair with the cutting with tattooing uh, Celtic uh, rituals uh, uh, where the cutting has to do with taking control over the realm between here and and the dead or tattooing with uh, power uh, or various elemental things uh so when they're when they are used specifically uh, in a worship uh the these Hebrew people were called to not do it you they were called to remain identified with God and God alone, and as Christians today we should carry that out. we should still be doing that. We shouldn't be wearing pentagrams on us or having. We're ungodly looking tattoos on us or whatever. Hey, I'm all for tattoos. I don't have any. I can't say I haven't thought about it and considered it. But I've just never done it. I've never seen the point. And every, everyone I know who's had one, at some point in time later, maybe months, maybe years, maybe decades, they come to a point where they regret it. Because it doesn't mean the same when you're 60 as it did when you were 20 and got the thing.
0: The art of tattooing uh, in this situation, um, Commentary Critical Explanatory of the whole Bible says, It is probable that a strong propensity to adopt such marks in honor of some idol gave occasion to the prohibition in this verse. And they were wisely forbidden, for they were signs of apostasy. And when once made, they were insuperable obstacles to re, to a return. So that is what they say.
3: In verse twenty nine: Do not profane your daughter by making her a harlot, so that the land will not fart a harlotry and become the land become full of lewdness. Um, now, interestingly, see KJV says do not prostitute thy daughter. The NASB says, do not profane your daughter. Now, uh, and then it, it's pretty much the same way. Uh, but if you think about it, anytime harlotry is involved, it's degrading, it's profane. But the unsaid part here, uh, this verse doesn't really say, is that for uh, uh, harlotry, and especially forcing a woman into harlotry, was what all the pagan religions did. Uh, in other places, people are warned not to have uh, prostitutions under every green tree on the hill. Uh, you hear even with, with Joseph's brother uh, Judah, yeah, uh, he thought his uh, daughter-in-law was a temple prostitute. Uh, so this is not a new thing. Uh, of course, they say you know, prostitution is the world's oldest profession, and so it's not new. Uh, to use that in worship that has nothing to do with, you know, God, is common. Uh, and even today in the modern Satanism, uh, I understand that they do that. And I'm sure uh, other forms uh, forcing someone their prostitution.
0: Well, we know prostitution is wrong. We know whoredom is wrong. But is there an idolatrous practice? Well, we know that a lot of uh, idolatrous practices, a lot of uh, heathen and pagan practices did involve sex. Um, I mean, this is just happened a lot, even in New Testament times. Um, This was an
3: issue. Here's the thing, too, is in Jewish custom, the way you identify yourself tribally or nationally, a you know, tribal you is passed on to the father. I'm the, I'm, I belong to the tribe of Judah or the tribe of Levi because your father was there. But When it comes to your religious training, it was the mother's job. Uh, and so that's just why whenever you had a, a foreign woman come in, uh, it was problematic. You weren't supposed to marry a foreign woman. Some people did. I mean, Ruth was a foreign woman. Um, And whenever that happened, it took three generations before uh, the children of that family were considered full Jews. And because the Jewish, the religious customs were passed on to the mother. As the mom raised the kids, if the mom was of a pagan nation, she's going to teach her kids what, all what she knows, and that's going to be pagan methods. And eventually, yeah, they may begin to learn uh, uh, godly things, Jewish things, but, you know, through the tribe and through intermixing with other people. And it might take two or three generations before you finally get a, a woman from that family who uh, understands Judaism and can and pass that on. The woman was the lit religious teacher of the family for, for the earliest phase of the kids. Now, older, once you got, uh, I don't know, I'm going to say, you know, bar mitzvah, 13, then I think the the boys went to work with their fathers. It might have been earlier than it might have been six. Uh, they went to work with their fathers and learn trade. The girls stayed home to learn how to keep house. That was their their duties, their customs. And so if you're going to force your daughter to be a temple prostitute, you're forcing your daughter out of God's kingdom. You're forcing her to uh, not take on that role, to you know pollute her, to defile her, to uh, not carry on that uh, godly religious line.
0: But again, this, these were pagan, common pagan practices uh the, the, the idea of of sex for whatever religion situation they were dealing with. So but either way, whether it was or wasn't in this context it sure would seem like that it would be, um it was bad either way.
3: Verse thirty. Is, is kind of a obvious answer here. You shall keep my Sabbaths and revere my sanctuary. I am the Lord. This is what you're supposed to be doing. You say, oh, I, what do you mean? I, I can't uh, work, go to diviners. I can't go to soothsayers I can't cut myself or tattoo myself or fix the hair I want or uh, sleep with prostitutes under trees. What am I supposed to do? You are supposed to... Uh, Keep the Sabbath and reverence the sanctuary. That's what you do. This is what you do because you're supposed to make yourself look different. This religion of Judaism, this religion today of Christianity, this is supposed to look different. So whenever we start caving into looking like the world, well, we're these are all occult things this is not just a matter of culture and style these can be occult practices
0: talks about keeping the sabbath reverencing the sanctuary uh got to take god seriously um you don't you don't play around with the things of god you take it seriously um I mean, look at all the mess that's going on when we don't, as mentioned here in this passage. And I think, again, we should take the things of God seriously. I think that when we don't, bad things happen. Um, He talks about familiar spirits in verse 31, which I think is the last last verse of the passage we're looking at. Familiar spirits were a con either way you go. Um, commentary critical and explanatory on the whole Bible mentioned ventriloquists who pretended to have communication with the invisible world, but also there were people who dealt with demons who would imitate um, a loved one or or someone you're trying to reach, and they would act like they were that person. Uh, the reason I, I believe this is because when um, King Saul tried to conjure up um, the prophet, um. You know, the little witch kind of got the surprise of her life when the prophet actually showed up. So that kind of tells me that something else was going on here that she was not expecting. She was expecting something else to happen, and the actual prophet showed up. So that was the witch of Endor. Uh, Is one of the things that really, really just nailed the coffin
3: all right. um, and to wrap this up here with verse 31 do not turn to mediums or spiritists do not seek them out to be defiled by them I am the Lord your God This that comes full circle on verse 26 because uh, mediums or familiar, familiar spiritists as the way King James puts it or um, um, what's the word sorcerers Wizards. These are the people who perform the aforementioned divinations or soothsaying. Don't practice divination or soothsaying and don't go to the people who do those things. Um, now, uh, in looking up information on this, I don't have the source, uh, but it was basically an article about how. Uh, modern day occult practices are good and and well and fine for the body and soul. and like, wow. And I glimpsed through it and that's pretty much what the article is talking about is how good it is to uh, be a wicked I, I, I guess it was or to uh, seek out diviners and soothsayers because it's all about it's all good, and it's all about the practitioner. If the practitioner means well, then it's good but the practitioner is bad and makes you do the moral things, then it's bad. So to them, uh, the occult is not a big deal. It's all about the practitioner who does them. And I thought, you know, when it comes to God, sometimes you have a bad practitioner. Sometimes maybe your teacher or preacher or whoever might be a broken person uh, and they're difficult to follow. But hey, if you follow God, you're not following the man, you're following God. But to the person who follows the occult, uh, to them, the cult is, more, by and large, okay. It's just the person who practices it. Uh, so you have to be careful with that. Uh, and honestly, even on a spiritual level, if it's not God, how do you know that spirit has your best interest to heart? You might be attaching yourself to a spirit who oh, they're so kind, my channel guide, whatever they call it, spirit guide, my spirit animal, they're so nice and they're so cool, until they're not. And then you're already hooked. And they have a hold on you. Uh, and they can be hard to get rid of. <laughs> Once you have let Satan have that foothold, he can be difficult to get out. Uh, it's not possible. This, you have to just, first of all, uh, seek God, seek Jesus, uh, allow the Holy Spirit to move in your life. And you have to have that desire and be willing to let the Holy Spirit get rid of the hold Satan has on you. And There's too many times. That's just it. People don't want to give up uh, their occult attachments and uh, and they're just too comfortable with it. Maybe they know, yeah, you're right. Maybe they'll be flippant. I tried that. It never worked for me. Well, that's what you say, but I wish it wouldn't be that way. Uh, Anyway, uh, that's what we got uh, for this group of verses here, for this little passage. The Bible says a lot more on this, and it's not just old timey Old Testament stuff. Uh, Even today, Uh, You'll find articles out there on the World Wide Web about these things. Uh, These practices are still going on. uh, They may take a slightly different form, but they're still out there and they're still harmful. uh, And don't believe the the good vibes and sending you feelings or whatever. Uh, Just pray. Anyway.
2: If the practice principle is vital for teaching such morally neutral tasks as tying shoes, how much more important is it for training children in Christ-like character? This is Yvette Hampton, host of the Schoolhouse Rocked podcast. Join us each week for a new episode as we offer encouragement and resources on biblical discipleship from popular speakers and authors, as well as parents just like you and me. Find out more at schoolhouserocked.com or listen anywhere you find your favorite podcast.
3: Religionless Christianity with Spencer and Nicole Tosi. Five-minute daily devotionals
0: with Religionless Christianity. Today, we're going to be reading and discussing Luke chapter... Our
1: proverb of the day comes from chapter 26, verse 24. Whoever hates
2: disguises himself with his lips and harbors deceit in his heart.
0: Now, I'm praying for you from Psalm 145. May the Lord show you he is gracious and merciful slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love that the lord is good to all and his mercy is over all that he has made may you know the lord is near to all who call on him to all who call on him in truth that the lord preserves all who love him
3: god bless find out more at religionless com.
1: my name is andy olson and i want to tell you about echozoi radio Echo Zoe Radio is a podcast outreach of Echo Zoe Ministries. Every month I find a knowledgeable guest to talk about an important and interesting topic that affects the church today. We carefully balance the discussions of positive, God-glorifying doctrines of Orthodox Christianity from a mostly Reformed point of view with exposés of heresy, false teaching, and poor practice that goes on throughout the church today. You can find us at echozoe.com. That's e-c-h-o-z-o-e.com.
3: I am out of here. And here comes the voice of our podcast, Anthony Russo, to tell you how to find us on the interweb. And with all that, as you know, it's Keith saying, off. thanks for listening. Uh, check us out on the web. Leave us a comment, rating, and review, all that good stuff. Call us uh, and send us a voicemail. Love to get here that way, too. So with that said, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.
2: Well, for this passage, that's all I have. Visit life-truth.com where you can find all our shows. Leave a message or call our voicemail number at 401-753-4844. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash life truth page. Follow us on Twitter at capital H capital P capital N capital C a S T. Everything Nathan Caldwell does can be found at Facebook.com forward slash Protectors of the Book Music in the show is used by permission of Kevin Zerby at Zerbinator.wordpress.com May the Word of Christ dwell in you richly May you find everything you need And if you don't know Jesus, your greatest need is is a savior thanks for listening